Welcome everybody to the Kim Barrett Show. I am your host, Kim Barrett, and on today's episode, we have Mr. Taylor Welsh from Traffic and Funnels. Now, these guys, Traffic and Funnels, have hugely grown their business into eight figures, uh, well and truly and beyond, in just really four or five years. And this episode, we break down the secrets, what it was that actually took them to that level, what did they focus on, what mentors did they reach out to, how did they grow this, and if that's something that you've been wanting to do, if you want to grow your business, you know, not just little by little, but astronomically, this is an episode that you will not want to miss. So without further ado, let's jump into the show. Taylor, thank you so much for making the time to join us today, my man. Really appreciate it. Man, it's good to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolute pleasure. Now, I always like to kick off our podcast with the same question every time, which is if I met you at a party and we're hanging out and we're chatting and we got going into a conversation for a couple of minutes and I said, Taylor, what is it that you actually do? What's your go-to answer? Literally, I would be like, I would probably say, I have no idea. And then you would laugh and I'd be like, yeah, we, I build companies and lead people. And then I would have to go in and explain the different companies that we have. And But most of the time, I can just say I have no idea. And people laugh and then it gets awkward. Then they move on. Then you never have to broach the topic. It's kind of <laughs> my go-to. <laughs> I love it. I might pinch that. I hate having those conversations in uh, in those Me scenarios. Too, so I'm with you there. But, but break it down for a little bit of us though. So you've got a couple of companies and things going on, which has happened pretty rapidly for you guys as well, right? Yeah, we started our first brand in 2015. That was Traffic and Funnels. And then we started Sales Mentor in 2018. We started WealthCap Holdings in 2019, WealthCap Funds in 2020. And it's really interesting because I think we were blessed early on. Uh, you know, We hired a mentor. His name is Jay Abraham. And everybody has this dream. I feel like it's the entrepreneurial dream of like having this vast portfolio of companies and you know, all these things. But nobody really you know, knows how to set that up. And Jay's a guy who has, you know, him and, and a guy named Roland have both been mentors for us. And these are guys with a portfolio of 50, 60, 70 companies. And they were able to help me and Chris set up really the infrastructure for why do you buy a company? Why do you start a company? And not all of our businesses exist just to make us money. Some of them we created because they can save us expenses in another company. If you start a business that saves you $6 million, and it doesn't make any money. What is that business worth to you? It's worth at least $6 million, but likely much more than that because it's going to impact the bottom line of a company with the multiple attached to it. You know, that company could be worth $30, $40 million and you can never record a top line sale. It can never record revenue ever. So we've built things in a way that the businesses that we're building and acquiring are really supporting the other businesses that we already have. And it just makes it fun. It makes it more of a puzzle for the entrepreneur to figure out when you realize that the goal doesn't have to be profit. It can be in mm. any number of things that you want personally. That's where the real estate business came from. We needed to get rid of money. We didn't want to bury it or burn it, but you know, we don't want to pay all of the taxes on it because we're dumb and don't know how to use it. So we created the real estate company just to store capital in the ground basically in, in a way that we'll appreciate. And so, all that to say, this is you know why I don't like getting into it at parties because people are just like, okay, so what do you do? Like they'll actually ask the same question over and over. But yeah, we just build companies and we build people. 
and we try to enjoy the game as we go. I love that. I've got a, a question on Jay, which I'll come back to in a sec, but I just want to know. So is that is the property company an example of that that's helping obviously some of the other companies like traffic and funnels for that particular purpose? Or is there any other example of a business that you're, you guys are leveraging now to save you guys money in, in other companies as well? Yeah, we have a new LLC that should be formed either. This is, we're recording this on the 1st of July. So it should be either done this month or the 1st of August. And it's just a publishing company. We probably will not record any profit for it. It just exists as like a mini in-house agency. You know, you have these big agencies that service clientele. And what we're doing is we're creating an agency that services our companies. You have to be in our portfolio of ownership for you to get access to this agency. And it probably won't record profit, but it will amplify the profits of all the other companies. So that's another example. We're not ready for this yet, but probably Q2 of 2021, we'll start getting into the vertical of the real estate companies. And we'll, we'll start buying plumbing companies and different things. And I don't really care if they ever make money because plumbers don't typically get rich and they don't, they're not gonna make me rich either. But the money that it will save on, you know, the, the capital for rehabbing and renovating properties will be worth it for me in the future. Does that make sense? hundred percent. That's awesome. And I want to circle back to, you mentioned obviously getting a mentor like Jay, because some people might be thinking out, out of the gate, it's like, cool, you just throw that in there, just mentors like Jay. Jay is not a cheap man to have as your mentor, right? Like he is probably yeah, yeah. one of the top paid, if not the highest, one of the highest paid consultants in the world. So what stage did you decide to bring Jay on? What had to happen for you guys to be able to invest and bring him on as a mentor? We were at about $3 million a year and we only had traffic and funnels. And the reason that we ended up going that direction, actually, with this was Chris. So Chris is my business partner. He lives out in Charlotte. And Chris has this gift that I don't think he was born with. I think he developed it. But it's a difficult gift to develop. And it's this idea of whatever everyone else thinks is possible, just go ahead and double it and think a little bit bigger in everything. Like, you'll see him do this in, in everything. He's like, you know, we were talking the other day about he chartered. He just chartered to Nashville. And he's like, I'm never flying commercial again. Hate commercial flying. And he's like, let's start a a chartering business. That way we can own 12 jets. And I'm just like, you, where do you come up with this stuff? Like, but that's his MO is he's just a gifted big thinker. And one day he was just like, you know, I think that to get to the next level, I don't want to model. I don't want to mimic and model everyone else in the internet marketing industry. You know, so we could keep hiring mentors in this, in this space. We had one before Jay, but he's like, I want to do something that is bigger. And what if we hired Jay Abraham? And I was like, Jay Abraham, that's funny. I've read all of his books, but I don't think that we're ready for that. And so this, this man sets up a call with Jay Abraham's a sales guy and just invites me to it for like three days later. And I'm not going to skip it. So I show up and then we decided on that call, we we're going to do it. You know, sometimes you've got to get into that space as an entrepreneur where you just step into the slipstream and you're like, you know, I know that if I do this, it could be bad. You know, it could not work out. But I know that if I don't do this 50 years from now, I'm going to wonder what would have happened if I had done it. And you've got to recognize those moments because those are oftentimes the moments when you can have 15 years, 20 years, 25 years happen in a six month period of time because you're in the slipstream. You're in that place where things are happening so quickly that the world is kind of rippling and warping around you. And we've been in that place ever since we hired Jay. You know, Jay's now a friend. You know, he's not like our consultant or mentor anymore, but I told him the other day, I was on the phone with him. I was like, Jay, don't take this the wrong way, but you're kind of like our dad, you're like just a dad. And he laughed and he got a kick out of that. But it's true. Like we've stayed in that place now for going on three and a half years. And 
you know, the revenues, you know, in 2021, at a minimum, we'll, we'll put up $70 million in revenue from that place three years ago of 3 million. That's called the slipstream. That's called like, what in the hell happened to you guys? And we just keep doing that again and again. If we do this, this is kind of scary. This might not work the way we want it to work, but God, I can't shake the feeling. If we don't do it, we'll always wonder what would have happened if we did. You got to pay attention to those moments because it's your intuition, usually trying to get you to jump off the cliff because it knows you'll figure out how to fly before you hit the bottom. Hopefully before you hit the bottom. So what was one of the, or a couple of, if you've got, if you've got them handy, like what was a couple of the things that has made the difference then? So obviously going from 3 million to 70 million in okay. the next financial year for you guys over there in the US, our financial year in Australia just ticked over literally today. So it's the start of a new financial year over here. So what was some of the things that have made that big difference? Like, cause obviously there's, as you mentioned, the internet marketing industry for anyone that's been around for the last five, six, seven, you know, 10 years and seeing things that you, you've probably seen and I've seen myself as well pop up and come along. There's people that are kind of fly by nighters or they people that come along and they'll do stuff and they'll hit a revenue level like two or three million dollars and they won't seem to kind of break through. What was it for you guys that really helped you accelerate past that point? Tactically, you know, there's like a lot because everything changes so fast. And I think it's like you can reconfigure your economics. You can change the way that you sell. You can change the type of person. So the demographic or the psychographic of who you're going after. You can add more products. You can, you know, you can reconfigure your team so that it's a higher caliber team. I would say from a tactical level, probably I'll give you two. I'll give you the tactical and then the strategic slash philosophical. The tactical, probably the biggest difference is we, we really went from outsourcing work to outsourcing decisions. You might've heard me talk about this before. It was like our first two teams that we had inside of Traffic and Funnels. It's like really, we just outsourced the work. Hey, go do this. Hey, go do this. Do this. Put this pixel on this page you know, sell this way. And we kept burning out because we kept being like, this whole business still relies on me. I'm leveraged to a certain point, but I'm only outsourcing my hands. We haven't outsourced our brains. When we went to that next level where we, we built an executive team and we had conversations that sounded like this, I want this outcome and I'm not going to tell you how to do it. I'm going to give you the permission to figure it out. If you do it wrong, that's okay, but go figure it out. You have six months, right? When we started having those conversations, the team started developing this ability to think and to innovate and to optimize. And the bandwidth for me and Chris went down drastically. Tactically, that's one of the biggest steps we ever made. To where today, very little relies on me and Chris. Like very little. Honestly, we could disappear and the business will kind of hum along. It might not grow as fast, but it will hum along. From a strategic philosophical level, I think that a person's standards tend to stay stagnant. And you might get to a place where you're doing 4 million a year and you think that that's good. And it is, but who is, it's good compared to what? Compared to who? Compared to when? And a person doesn't reconfigure and optimize those standards to increase. And for us, you know, $4 million now, $4 million a month, forget a year, $4 million a month. We're already thinking about the next level. Like what's going on at the next level? Is $4 million a month really good? Well, it was compared to us in 2015. But Bezos does more than that. Elon does more than that. Like you got to really get into a place where you have time to think about, are my standards set in the future or are they set in the past? And strategically, if you do not get out in front of, like you, you don't get a runway built for your standards, you just kind of repeat the same year fiscally over and over, which there's nothing wrong with that either. You got to know that there's more to business and more to life than, than top line. There's more than profit. And so 
another issue with standards is like $4 million a month, but how hard am I working to do that? And can I double my output while cutting the working hours in half? The answer with these questions, they sound impossible at first, but the answer is almost always universally. Yes, it's possible. You just don't know the right thing to do or the right person to talk to. And so if a person believes that it's possible, they will hunt and they will figure it out. If you don't believe it's possible, then they'll just maintain. So a long-winded answer for that question, but hopefully that helps. That's perfect. It's a great answer. So with that then, on the tactical side of things, you mentioned obviously the executive team and then giving them that freedom. What stage was that at for you guys? Around 4 million, like right after we brought Jay in and ish 4 million a year, top line, just TF. Okay, awesome. And another question, just purely out of curiosity, but the memos you guys do, you guys have a physical newsletter, which you, you guys post out every month, I think it is. I get it periodically, de- depending on if the mailman depends to deli- wants to deliver it to yeah. me and that week and over here in Australia. What was the thinking behind that? And how has that panned out for you guys? The thinking was we got an ad account shut down. This is a long time ago. This was probably what, uh, 2017, maybe late 2016 or at the beginning. And the original thinking was like, man, what if we had a list, like a mail list, a direct mail list, homegrown of, you know, 500 people, four or 500 people. That way, if Facebook shut us down, we could realistically, you know, replicate our income through this list. So we just started it as a test and it worked terrifically well. Everybody loved them. And I'm pretty sure today we have 20,000 or so people that we send this out to monthly. And I don't even write all of them anymore, but I write you know, sections and it's worked out well. I mean, it's, it's definitely a way to demonstrate. If you go into some of these hedge funds, like I was just listening this morning to Capital Oak, a guy named, what's his name? I don't know his name. Can't remember his name. Sorry. He's got a $1.3, $1.4 billion net worth. So he's not at the top, but this is a big hedge fund company that he runs. And what they'll oftentimes do is they'll release these memos, these insights, because if you're going to invest money with the hedge fund manager, you want to know their thinking. Because it's never luck that, I mean, luck is a part of the game, but it's usually a person has a set of principles. A person has a set of standards. A person has a way of thinking through risk and mitigation and navigating the elements. And you want to get insight into how that person thinks. You want to know how Ray Dalio thinks. Henry Marx, I believe, was his name. But you've got all of these people in the internet marketing world. And if I were to sum up the way that they think, it's like, well, make a good offer. That's it. That's all that they have going for them. But for us, we're so much deeper than that. We have offices in Charlotte, offices in Nashville. We have you know, probably 60 contractors that work on the real estate side. Four markets in the United States, probably taking down a market in Melbourne here pretty soon. We've got Sales Mentor. Sales Mentor rivals TF's income right now. We've got all of these different things and all these different leadership teams. I'm like, people need to see that. They need to see how we think because when they invest into us as mentors, they're not just getting, here's how to run a landing page and run traffic. That's stupid. Like, If you're only going to learn how to do a landing page, you're going to be limited. But if you can learn how to set up capital allocation, right? If you can learn how economics works, if you can learn, you know, the difference between financial leverage and operational leverage, two very different assets, but both are powerful. You can learn all these things. Then there's all of a sudden there's layers to what people get when they come into one of our companies. And the memos has served to show people that the behind the scenes thinking. You know, obviously being the trajectory of, of Jay coming in, helping you and open yourself up and removing yourself from the tacticality of things as well. What exposed you to all those other aspects? Also, you mentioned obviously like allocation and things like that, which not normal things that, as you mentioned, that you hear internet marketers throwing around as terms. 
how did you get exposed to that and what was that experience like there's so many little things that make up a person's you know life they got a message the other day by a, a pretty decently known internet marketer and he was like dude when i read your post on facebook i get fired up where did you learn this where did you go and i'm like it's hard for me to know where you know, i got some of this stuff and same with chris it's just because it's like there's this journey that you go on it's like a picture and you have to like go in and figure out where it started because oftentimes the little things the littlest things can just nudge a person's trajectory and they're like i want to go study that I, I have to think about that more but i know that when i was young my dad used to pull me out of school and he would make me go to these john maxwell simulcast conferences and i i was 11 12 years old and you know who john maxwell is probably and i hated these things i remember complaining about it because it was so boring i'm a 12 year old kid having to sit in a gymnasium watching a projector of boring old white men talk about random stuff. And I was just, I didn't like it. I hated it. But he made me do it because he felt like it was an important part of my education. And when I started growing businesses, these light bulbs started coming off and I didn't know where I, I just knew that they were right, but I couldn't remember where I learned them. And, and thinking, I think a lot of it tracks back to those moments. 12-year-old, impressionable, listening to some dumb story about, some leadership team talking about some lesson. I'm like, this doesn't matter to me. But then when you're in the moment, you have these instincts that were built by exposure. And once we started getting success and I started leaning into how to manage money, I think I started studying the Federal Reserve and then that opened up a can of worms and I started studying Ray Dalio, then that opened up a can of worms. And you just like look through your past and you realize that most of the mistakes that you make most of the things you regret are actually mistakes of inaction where you were too slow or too quiet or not aggressive enough. And if you can develop this philosophy of just most people live at a red light waiting for the green light. And I want to live at a green light waiting for the red light. I'm just going to tackle it unless I feel specifically like it's like, don't do this, you know, and most people are the opposite. I'm just going to maintain unless I specifically feel like, oh, you need to do this. And it's a reversal of psychology that I think was kind of built into me as a kid. And in that regard, I got very lucky. So when people talk about, you know, luck, I'm completely self-made, you know, luck doesn't factor. I disagree with that. I think that there are people that have an extra helping of luck at times. I was born to great parents in USA at a time when, you know, it was appropriate to be an entrepreneur. And people can't be so egotistical that they don't factor in the, the luck that was involved to get you where you are. And I think if you're dialed in correctly, it'll make you more generous as a human. It'll make you want to give back more. You'll want to educate more. And that's kind of where we're at right now is how can we train other people who were not exposed to the same elements that I was exposed to, how to learn this, you know? Yeah, I love that. And obviously you mentioned training people and, and building teams and whatnot as well. And obviously you've mentioned your traffic and funnels team. You've got your contractors in the real estate business and sales mentor where you've, I think we've had on the podcast before, Eli Wild, who works with you guys there. And obviously he's got a phenomenal record in sales. What do you think is that attracts those people? And then one of the main focuses, like one or two things that you focus on when you bring someone new to really indoctrinate them into your business, culture, values, ethics, et cetera. I think what attracts people is Healthy people and unhealthy people are both attracted to health. If you want to be a beacon that attracts people like Magnus, you should just try to be healthy. Focus on being healthy mentally. Focus on being healthy spiritually, emotionally. I can't tell you how many people are just like, you can tell. You can probably tell because you interview tons of people. You can tell people who are unhealthy. It's like, oh, you have so much ego, man. Like, 
you made a hundred thousand bucks and you think you're Jeff Bezos. Like you got so much ego or you've got this massive chip on your shoulder. You just want to prove to everyone that you're a bad dude. And I think that what attracts people to us is that for the most part, we've really prioritized our own personal health. We want to be healthy leaders. I don't want to grow something that's unhealthy. And in the church world, that's where I grew up is in the church world, pastors have this buzzword. They say healthy things grow. And you may have never heard that before, but it's like a big, it's like, it's the reason that everybody wants their church to grow because healthy things grow. And if it's not growing, it's not healthy, but you know, unhealthy things grow too. Cancer is not healthy, but man, it grows like a weed. Weeds aren't great, but they, they grow. You can grow something that's unhealthy. Health is not a requirement for growth, but for us, it's a constraint for growth. And guys like Eli and, you know, Eli is just a great, a great friend and a great guy. You know, they're blown away by the level of health that we create in our teams. Now, I don't want somebody to be a good salesperson, but their life is a mess. You know, like I, I don't want somebody to come in and become a leader. And it's like, man, they just can't hold their family together because they suck as a dad or they suck as a, as a spouse. But, you know, they're sure doing a great job at work. I feel like that's not worth it. And so when people join the team, whether it's TF or sales mentor or wealth cap or, or any of them, you know, they become better leaders, better moms, they become better friends because the priority here is not just success at work. It's holistic health. How do you become a healthy producer? And so that's definitely a standard. You know, speaking to your second question, we have a culture code and we have, you know, we tell people what our culture is. Like just yesterday, I was talking to somebody who wants to come on the wealth cap team and I was like, I'm probably going to get involved in areas of your life outside of work. And if you're not okay with that, that's fine. Stay where you're at. Don't come over here. Because if you come over here and I see you posting updates at 1230 in the morning and you're not sleeping and you're just like an unhealthy person, I'm not going to give you leadership because I don't want you to train that crap into the people underneath you. And people either love that or they're like, how dare you? That's that crossing boundaries. Like that's not, then stay where you are. I don't, I don't care. You know, it's not about me. It's about you. And that's the standard we have. That's how we breed health in our team. That's how we keep people healthy, fulfilled, happy. doesn't always mean it's easy, but it's always for the benefit of the person, not just for the benefit of me, the entrepreneur. Before starting my own company, I've been in companies where I think that unhealthiness has, has definitely grown. And just seeing the difference, as you say, in the people, just when you're talking with them, you can even see in teams, even though they might be working hard and producing that something's not quite right. So I can only uh, wholeheartedly agree with that. So I, I love that. And my whole team listens to the podcast. So guys, I'm going to be getting involved in all your lives so much now. There you go. <laughs> Taylor said so. Um, yeah, exactly. It's got to be done. I could probably talk to you and ask you into your ear off all day, but I always like to ask one question as we get towards the end of our time here together which is what's one question that i haven't asked you that i should have Oof, this is always like such a hard question because you like to ask questions and i like to talk so we could just go we could probably go for a long time i don't know what do you feel like is the number one thing that your your team or audience is curious about at all times I love it when people give me the question back for that question. I mean, f for me, I think like, so we've got a, a lot of people that listen to this podcast, I believe anyway, for I can see from the stats and when I speak to people, small, medium-sized business owners who do, do want to grow. But as you mentioned, sometimes they might not have the perception of what is possible. So what are a couple of things, like circling back to the very beginning where you mentioned like, obviously you guys stretch the imagination where you've got a business partner who's like, hey, like let's buy a charter business and get 12 jets. Like how do you, if, if you're not someone or you don't have someone in your business like that, what are a couple of things that people could do to stretch that belief? If you don't have somebody like that, 
in your business right now, I think that, let me answer this, this with a story, if that's okay. Last weekend, you know, I found a meal prep service here in Nashville, Tennessee that my personal trainer told me to go to. And I went there like a month ago. Their meals are delicious, amazing. You know, most of the time eating meal prep is like eating paper. It's just like the macros are good, but this is like, I'm just eating grass off the ground. Like this is disgusting. This is amazing. I'm like, this is so cool. I love this. I could eat here forever. So I go in and, you know, it's just a little bitty store in Nashville. And I start talking to the person at the front desk. I'm like, you guys have any investors? Like, do you want to grow? She's like, oh yeah, we want to grow nationally. We want to blow up. But we can't hire good people because good people are so hard to find. I'm thinking in the US, we just lost 30 million jobs. Like uh, with coronavirus and everything. Now is the best time in, in like the last 15 years to hire people. So I'm like, well, you should just get an investor who knows how to hire people. And she's like, oh, we have investors. Our main investors you know, as a retired NFL player. And it's just not possible to hire good people. I'm like, it is possible. And she's like, no, it's not. And I'm like, you work at the front desk of a supplement store. Like you, you should not be arguing about this. And anyways, they're like, we don't need any help, but, but thank you. I'm like, okay, fine. The best way to, if you don't have somebody like this already, and if you don't, you know, can't find this in a mentor, I'm starting to invest in companies that I believe in. I'm starting to become, me and Chris are becoming investors into companies that were like, this, this person has such a good idea. Businesses don't die because they have bad ideas. They die because they are lacking either the mechanics or they're lacking the philosophies that can elevate them to new plateaus. The, perhaps one of the greatest ways to do this is to start approaching people who you know think big and you can work out equity deals. With, with SalesMentor and TF and with WealthGap, we have equity deals with all three businesses. Me and Chris are not like 100% me, mine, 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 the only mine, you know, even us, we're like, you know, we realize that we can create strategic partnerships with people and I would rather have a, you know, a, a slightly smaller piece of a really big pie than 100% of a really tiny pie. And it's probably one of the best ways for people to, to really get that access to that level of thinking. And you go find somebody who's a thousand times bigger than you and you can oftentimes negotiate and barter to give them something that they want and get access to their level of thinking, get access to their recipes, get access. And I think what's unfortunate is the ego that people develop when they get a little bit of success prevents them from the big success. You know, this case in point, you got this lady who works at a supplement store at the front desk and she's, she's friends with the owner and they think that they are literally, you know, Microsoft at this point because they have one store. They got an ego. They, they've developed this ego because they've gotten a little bit of success and a little bit of compliments. And when you get to that level, you don't recognize opportunity. What ego does is it's like, you've seen those, those horses with the blinders on, you know, focus can be like blinders, but ego actually covers the eyes. Ego prevents you from seeing opportunity. You can't see opportunity to grow. You can't see weaknesses. Ego cuts you off at the knees. And oftentimes people are missing out on opportunities because they don't believe that they have areas to grow. And I would say that that's the biggest challenge even for a lot of our clients is dealing with that. Another long-winded answer for a simple question, but just to give you the context there. I love it. I love the long way around because it gives us so much context and it's, it is so true. And as you mentioned, obviously like mentors are, are a big way of doing that and they can kind of help you remove that. Sometimes nicely, sometimes it has to be a bit more harshly, but remove those blinders from you so you can, so you can move forward. And I know for us every time, like when, 
when we look to people and you think, you know, I'm always like, oh yeah, we think pretty big. And then, you know, we earlier on did a podcast with Grant Cardone as well. And then I was like, how do you think big? And he's like, man, there's, you know, people come to me and say, well done, well done, little fella. Like you've done, you've done good. And I'm like, well, wow, there is always those other levels and, you know, to, to yeah. that you can grow to. So it's so true and so important. And um, yeah, I, I love that answer that you gave there. Now for anyone that's listened and heard this today and whether they're watching it or they're uh, listening to this podcast, What's the, and they go, cool, I love what this, this guy's Taylor's been talking about. I want to find out more. Where's the best place for them to connect or to go online to, to connect with you and find out more about what you guys are up to? Yeah, obviously, just you did the website, trafficandfunnels.com. That's our main site. They can see a lot of our content there. And, and as the world opens back up, booking me out on stages and just events and helping people grow in person. A social, Taylor A. Welch on Facebook, Taylor A. Welch on Instagram. We also have a new podcast called Daily Mind Medicine. So it's three to five minute episodes, Monday through Friday, just of stories like, like what we shared today, ways to think bigger, ways to think with more depth, ways to think with more clarity. And oftentimes it's just me like driving a car and talking to people very unproduced, uh, unscripted. So that's Daily Mind Medicine. People love that. And then just, yeah, dude, follow us on social. And anytime I get a message, I always respond. So hit me up. Love that. And yeah, I can highly agree with the Daily Mind Medicine. I've been checking that out since you've been releasing it. So it is awesome. Just a couple of little minute listen every day. So we'll link that. So wherever you guys are, you're listening to this, check out the show notes. If you're watching this, just click through to the site and you'll be able to get access to all of those links as well. Um, and we'll link everything up for you guys. And if you know anyone that needs to think bigger, make sure you share this podcast with them and they can hear a little bit about what Taylor and the, the whole team at uh, Traffic and Funnels, Sales Mentor and their whole suite of companies have been up to. Again, Taylor, thank you so much for making the time to jump on with us today. Really appreciate it. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me. Had a blast. Pleasure.